Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. Big welcome to everyone joining in online, watching us. Could we give a big welcome to everyone tuning in on the live stream this morning? So glad you guys are here with us. I'm excited about this new year. Are y'all excited about the new year coming up? Yes. It's great. Talking earlier to uh, the leaders in prayer, and it, uh, I tell you, there's just something special about the ending of one season and the beginning of a new one. The ending of one and the beginning of a new one. And I love that we're kind of celebrating that in the lives of all the people that are going to be baptized today, too. The end of an old way of life and the beginning of a new one in Jesus. We can do better than that, by the way. Can we do that? Yeah, I'm just so we're getting to celebrate that in just a little bit. My goodness, I'm so glad you guys are here today. Y'all could be doing anything else on planet Earth, and you prioritize being in the house of God. And I say this often, but that says something about you. And I'll be honest with you, I have never seen anyone that puts God first go without I've never seen anyone that puts God first get left out. I've never seen anyone that puts God first get destroyed by life. Man, it's when we get off track and we put ourselves before him, that's when the trouble starts. Amen. You picked a good place to be this morning. If you're a guest here uh, and you missed the... uh, the greeting earlier today. My name is Josh. I get the opportunity of being the pastor here, which means I'm the lead servant here at Eastgate Church. Um, Jesus's role model of leadership was that if you're going to lead, that you are first a servant. And uh, people don't serve you, you serve them, and we all serve the Lord. Amen? If you got your Bibles, uh, go to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, we're going to go to chapter 5. If you got your Bibles or your tablets, I believe all of the message notes for today are available on a version, so you can hop on the Bible app and open up that and follow along with the notes today also if you want to. If for some reason you don't have a tablet or a device to read along with, we've got scriptures and stuff on the screen for you today because we thought about you. 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to look at what is a very unique story in the Old Testament that the Lord laid on my heart specific for today. So if you're here today... Odds are, this is for you. If you're tuning in right now, or even if this message is catching you later, I believe that it's going to be a right now word from the Lord to where you are to bring about his change in your life. How many of you would say you would rather do what God has called you to do and live a life full of his purpose than waste time trying to carve out your own path and live in frustration? Yeah, I would all day long. Well, let's look at this guy named Naaman. Um, Naaman is, he's a unique individual in the Old Testament. Second Kings chapter 5 says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because the Lord had given victory to Aram through him. Now, it's amazing. Naaman was a pretty cool dude. Naaman had status. Naaman was the man. He was the commander of the army. You didn't get to that rank by accident. Okay? Naaman would slap take you out if he needed to. He's a bad dude. Not only was he a bad dude, but he was successful in what he did. He was tenacious. 
He's a valiant warrior, the Bible says of him. And not only that, he carried with him not just the commander of the army status, but he had a high social status. He had a lot of influence. Naaman was used to getting the best table, the best seat at the best table. Naaman had access directly to the king. In fact, the king would have been one of the only few people in the kingdom that Naaman had to answer to. So he had it going on. He had it going on. And uh, there was a problem, though, with Naaman. And most of you who have read the Bible know this. It says that he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So he had an issue. He had something that detracted from him. Like with, with all the stuff that he had going on, with all the status that he had, Naaman had this little issue of leprosy that was annoying. But I mean, if we're all honest though, I mean, it, as pretty as we look today and as, as good as we look today and maybe as accomplished as we are, and, and, and I'm not knocking spiritual maturity, but even as mature as we are in this room, I guarantee you that everyone in this room has something that they're dealing with. Something that they're working on. So I can relate with that. Leprosy back then uh, was a death sentence. It started out in small patches and it would eventually spread throughout the entire body and you would start to lose body parts and it would eventually kill you. So Naaman had more than just a little problem. Naaman had a little time watch ticking away because his days were numbered. So with all that he had, he had this issue. And it says, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served, in, she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. I love that. The if only. You know? So Naaman had a choice to make here. He could continue doing what he's doing, or he could take a chance on finding a cure, on finding a solution for the problem that he had. He had a choice. And I'll be honest with you, all of us in this room, we've got choices. You know, we've, we've got choices. and We choose whether or not to face the issues that we're dealing with or to bury them and mask them or put them away. You know, or or we, we choose to look them in the eye and deal with them. But let's be honest, though, man. It's kind of not intimidating, but frustrating sometimes, you know, because not all issues die with the first blow. Just a little real here. I mean, sometimes God can set you free in a heartbeat, and sometimes those things take a season or two to work out because God wants to teach you something through a process. If only, if only. With it being the end of 2023 going into the beginning of 2024, i got a question for you, and it's kind of like a what-if question, but what if you overcame the issue that's holding you back? What if you overcame it? What if you got victory over it? What if you made the choice to look it in the eyes and refuse to give it another inch in your life and you just took it head on? What if? What if you overcame the issue that's holding you back? And I put issue there instead of issues because honestly, most of us are dealing with one specific issue. Now, it might manifest different symptoms, 
but it's usually one thing that needs to be resolved. And I know it looks different in different seasons of our growth and our relationship with God. You know, when you first come to know the Lord, you've got a lot of stuff that he needs to bring out of you and, and work you through because the enemy, Satan, has had your whole life up until that point to do his work, to plant his little seeds, and to establish his strongholds in your life for the express purpose of keeping you from ever accomplishing what God purposed you for in this world. Listen, if you're breathing, you've got purpose. Okay? Now, whether or not we step into it is our choice. But before Jesus, the, the enemy works to create these strongholds. And after we come to the Lord, he begins to do this work of sanctification and purifying us from that. And initially, we get set free from sin in Christ. And that's amazing. I love that. Sin has no power over us anymore. We now have the ability to choose whether or not we're going to give in to sin. It's the truth. Some people are like, what? what are you talking about? No, you're more than just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You're saved by grace. Now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus who can do something about it. It's a big difference. And, and so in each season of growth and becoming who God's called us to be, we'll move past an issue and probably step into an issue. Because that's how growth works. You're always trying to improve yourself. I've yet to see a person go to the gym one time, lose 85 pounds, have 2% body fat, and 8-pack abs. It's a process. You've got to work through it, right? You've got to work through it. Y'all got to wake up a little bit this morning. It's a process, right? You, you, so, so, so wonder, I wonder what would happen if we overcame the issue that's holding us back. Now, take just a second and get it in your mind. Get it in your, I know we're in church. We're supposed to look so good right now. Hallelujah. I'm praying for all those other strongholds and issues that people are dealing with. The Lord knows my heart, and I thank him for his grace that covers me. See how that works? Everybody else is dealing with stuff, but we're okay. Get that thing in your mind. What is it? What does it look like? Because it is... Literally, the wall that is standing between you and everything that God purposed for you to be. It is literally the thing standing between you and peace in your home, peace in your marriage, blessings on your finances. It is the thing that is standing between you and freedom. It is the thing that's standing between you and all of the people that God has purposed for you to reach through your life. Amen. What is that thing? And I'd say on the front end of this that maybe that thing isn't something that we tolerate. Maybe it becomes something that we destroy. You know, because like, we, we read this, and Naaman's got his leprosy thing, and it's going to be a slow death sentence. But aren't those issues that we deal with the same thing, too, to us spiritually, if we don't take them out? Compromise eventually becomes sin. What we tolerate in a little bit usually becomes what we live in as normal. It's better to take it out than put up with it. 
You know, and, and in every season, the enemy tries to plant that stuff. And I'm just saying, as we go into the new year, we've all, most people, had this picture of who we want to become in 2024. You know, there's some of us, we, we need to make the right decision and step out of, some of us need to say bye to some people from last year as we move into this next year. Some of us need to say bye to some old habits. Some of us need to say bye to some old patterns. And some of us need to say hello to a new way of life a new structure, a new set of goals, a new mindset as we're renewed in the presence of God. God ain't done with us yet, so we've got to prep ourselves for what he's leading us into. You know? So, so as we're moving into this, let me take a second. What would happen? What would happen if we let go of what was holding us back? So Naaman hears what's going on, and he hears about this prophet. And in verse 4, he, he goes to his master, and he, he told him what the girl from Israel said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold. Shekels is just fun to say. Shekels of gold makes you feel like a pirate. Shekels of gold. So, and ten sets of clothing. So Naaman, with all his prestige, with all the influence, he goes to the king and says, look, there's a chance I can get healed. He gets a letter from the king for a couple of reasons. One, Naaman wanted to show a little bit of swag. When he showed up in Israel, he wanted to say, look, I got a king endorsement. I don't know if you heard of me. I'm Naaman. I'm kind of a big thing over there. So I'm going to let you know I'm about to come into your country, and I'm going to go see your prophet. Okay. The second reason is, Naaman was coming to a country that was not his own, and when Naaman showed up at your border, if you were a king, you freaked out. Because he was the commander of the army, and you prayed that he was on a peaceful mission. Because when Naaman rolled up, he was there to handle business one way or the other. Naaman rolls up to the king of Israel. The Bible says, listen to this, with all the silver, all the gold, with all the sets of clothing... In today's economy, this would have been roughly between $3.5 and $4 million worth of stuff that he brought from his own surplus. He had a letter from the king, but the gifts that he brought was from his own stuff. I don't know about you, it'd be a little bit nice to have an extra $3.5 or $4 million laying around. I, he had 10 sets of clothes. It'd be nice to have 10 sets of clothes that I was comfortable wearing, too. I'll just be honest with you. I just, but, so he rolls up with this big entourage, slaps down this fat wallet with a letter from the king, and he says, look, I'm here to see your prophet so that I can get cured of this leprosy. But the letter didn't say that. The letter said, when he took the letter to the king of Israel, it says, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And the king of Israel did what I would have done. He, he tore his robes, which was like an immediate side, sign of grief and despair, because uh, he knew he didn't have the power to do that. You know, he tore his robes, and he said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? Ah, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. So the king takes this political angle. It's like, he's asking me to do something he knows that I can't do. There's trouble here. First mistake that Naaman made, all right, 
was going to the government to try to get something done. He should have went to God to get something done. Do I even need to say anything more than that? I just I could go to the government for a pop tart right now, and a year and a half later, after 34 sessions, I might get a date on when the pop tart might be delivered. It, it's crazy. They take forever to do anything. We have been pre-programmed, I think, to look to government and to look to man for all of our solutions. And I promise you, the solution for this country and this world does not have an elephant for a logo or a donkey for a logo. It doesn't have a logo at all. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. He is the one and only solution for this nation. He is the one and only solution. You can't legislate a change of heart. You can't legislate morality. But I've seen a country go very far in the opposite direction. We need a little more Jesus in this country. And, and so he goes to the government, and you can't do what you're asking me to do. And then somehow, in verse 8, Elijah hears about what's happening. And Elisha, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. I love this. Why have you torn your robes? How'd the man come to me? And they'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. He's like, bro, why'd you do that? Just send the guy to me, and I'll, you know I will handle it. You know the God that I serve. Why are you doing all this? Don't freak out. I, I got this. I can, I'll handle all of this stuff. So, so um, he says, have the man come to me. And here comes Naaman again. He rolls down to Elisha's place, but Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and stopped at the front door of Elisha's house. Naaman likes to show off just a little bit. Okay, most people, when they traveled, they had peat and repeat. They were walking, all right? If you had high status, you had some horses. If you were it, you had horses and chariots. This dude was rolling around with his entourage. It was the equivalent of like a presidential procession. You know, like when the president comes to town to speak somewhere, they shut down all the interstates, and you got cop cars, and all this helicopters are flying around. Like, you know something's going on. Naaman made a presence for himself, rolled right up to Elisha's house, to the front door. I'm here. You're the prophet. I'm Naaman. Do I need to introduce myself? I'm the guy that dropped almost $4 million at your king's feet. I'm the guy that's got the letter from my king saying I can be here. So I got a little bit of leprosy, but I'm the commander of the army. I got all my armor on. I got all my swag. My guys are dressed to the nines and ready to kill anybody that comes against me. I'm here, dude. Come out and do this little thing you're going to do and heal me of my leprosy. And Elisha, being incredibly intimidated and impressed... With what Naaman did. Nope. I love this. Elisha sent a messenger to him. It says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be clean. Elisha didn't even come to the door. <laughs> Naaman rolled up with all this stuff, and Elisha's like, uh, Fred, just go tell him. Dip in the Jordan seven times and he'll be healed, whatever. And he went back to playing Scrabble or whatever prophets did back then, you know. So just left him there. Uh, one, it was insulting not to greet a guest. 
when they came to your place. It was double insulting to send one of your servants or a messenger to talk to them on your behalf. It was just like, pow, just a slap in the face. He's not even coming out here himself. He sent you. Honestly, the messenger guy was lucky Naaman didn't kill him because he didn't have enough status to talk to someone at Naaman's level. But Elisha could just give a fly. I don't like Elisha, to be honest with you. Man. It's like, I don't care who you are. Show up on my front door. Mm-mm-mm. So Elisha sent that messenger, go dip seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored. Naaman went nuts. Elisha's up to something here. Now, Naaman came to get cured of his leprosy, right? Look at the person next to you and say, leprosy. All right, he can't even get cured of that. Elisha wanted to go a little bit deeper because Elisha knew that it's not what we show publicly, it's how we grow privately that matters. It's how we grow privately that matters. Elisha put his finger on the real issue. The real issue here. And we're about to see the leprosy. Well, I, said, I don't care anything about that. Yeah, well, God will heal that. I'm going to stir up a hornet's nest here, though, <laughs> and tap on this right here, Mr. Bling Bing Super Thing. I don't care. Button pushed. I don't care who you are. And it lit Naaman on fire. Because Naaman's real issue, let's be honest with you, it was pride and a little bit of self-will. He wanted the recognition. He wasn't there to serve. He was there to be served. And Elisha's like, you're interrupting my biscuit time, dude. I'm just about to put the gravy on. You need to roll down the street and do what I said. He put his finger on it, and it drove Naaman crazy. So wonder Naaman didn't burn the guy's house down, because he could have. In 2 Kings 5, dropping down to verse 11, uh, says, But Naaman went away angry. Yeah. And thought that, he says, I thought that he would surely come out and stand and, and call on the name of the Lord and, and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. I, I thought. I don't know how it works in your world, but I have lost more peace in my life over those two words. I thought. I thought it'd work out different. I thought I'd get a better report from the doctor. I thought my boss actually gave the flying rip that I was putting in extra effort around here. You know what I mean? I thought things would work out with my spouse. I thought, you know, I, we think things would go differently. And Naaman had this plan of how he wanted things to go. And why wouldn't he? Because Naaman was used to creating his own reality. He only had a couple of people that he ever had to answer to. And then he'd go out in the battlefield and just kick Heine over. Like, there would probably just be open cans of whoop butt in different countries that Naaman opened up on these places, you know. It, so, and, and when Elisha said, uh-uh, no, let's deal with this right here, it changed the ball game. How many times have we wanted to deal with stuff our own way instead of doing it God's way? 
Doesn't it always leave you frustrated and aggravated at the end? I mean, a, a real talk is God, have you ever heard instruction from a person of God that lined up with the word of God that just made you mad even though you knew it was the truth, it was what you didn't want to do? Something just kind of raised up in you a little bit? I know I have. I know I See, that submission thing is fun to talk about. It's difficult to do sometimes because to submit to authority or to submit to God's will means that you have to take what you want and throw it into neutral and line up with what he wants, whether you feel like it or not, because he wants it to be done. That's submission. Amen. That's submission. But we sometimes like to blaze our own trails. We like, how hard can it be to be a doctor? I'll just hop on WebMD and write my own prescription for what's going on, like to solve stuff for ourselves, right? And be careful going to WebMD because it can go from you have a splinter to you are about to die in like three minutes. That's all. I think they do that so you go see a doctor. <laughs> I don't know. So, so he, he went away so mad. It's just, and I, I don't, I, like I get it, I can relate to it because there been times God's asked me to do things and I'm not reluctant, but I've had to wrestle with submitting myself to it because that part of you has to die. Some things are instantaneous, okay? And some things are a process of submission and, and, and lining up because you're having to be trained as you go by the Spirit of God. It, it's funny, if, if we go to a barber shop to get our hair did, all right, so we look good, you go get your, your, your style on, they're going to say, sit in this chair, don't move your head, or do this or do that, or go sit under this device while it makes a lot of noise and blows air on your head. And I, well, whatever that's all about, I don't know. But it, it, you're going to follow the advice of the stylist, though, because you want your hair to look good. If you roll up to a car wash, they're going to give you instructions, and they're going to say, well, your car's dirty. Uh, we need you to do A, B, and C, and we'll take care of it. You're going to do what they ask you to do because you want your car or your truck cleaned, right? So why is it that we'll follow instructions and directions at places like that, but when we come to church, when we come to church and the Word of God goes out, or we sit at home and we open up the Word of God and look at it, something bristles inside of us and we push against it and would rather do it our own way instead of God's way. You know what I mean? It's way too quiet in here this morning. So let, let's take a deep breath for a second. I'm going to back up just a little bit and, and take the pressure off. But have you ever seen other people do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, other people, man, they just struggle with all this stuff. I just, I get it. I get it. Why is it? Why is it, women? that we have such a hard time submitting to our husband's authority as the head of the house, even though we know the Bible says to do it. See how awkward it just got? That's how awkward. Why is it, men, that you have such a hard time being the spiritual head of the home when you know the Bible instructs you to do it? See what I mean? See, I fixed that. See, all right, we're good? All right, so both sides. It's why? Um, so why? Why do we refuse 
We, it's funny, people complain about being broke all the time and how they don't have anything. And then you say, okay, are you tithing? Are you giving to the Lord? Is he first in your... Well, no. Well, what do you think's going to happen? Everything you got, the Bible says, is cursed at that point. Okay? At best, what happens with your finances is under your control, not his. He's got a pretty good plan for life. He had a pretty good plan for salvation. I think he's probably got a pretty good plan for, fine, do you have a budget? Well, no. I, you know, the Bible is just full of practical information that will just change the game and how we live our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Am I going too hard in the paint this morning? Y'all are good? All right. So, yeah, it, it's just crazy how sometimes we'll just make up our, our, our own plan and that's what Naaman was about to do. He lists off these rivers. He's like, hey, we got better rivers where I came from. I could wash, couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in a rage. He ran off in a rage. And then Naaman's servant in verse 13 went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? I love that. Something prestigious. Something you get glory in? If he told you to go conquer the kingdom across the other side of the river, wouldn't, wouldn't you have done it? Wouldn't you have climbed to the top of the mountain and picked the one flower up there and brought it? It's like something manly and over the top. Wouldn't you have done that? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? We need people like that in our lives. You know, like somebody that can see us going off track and is a friend enough to us and loves us enough to look at us and in love say, hey, maybe you should rethink that. I know you think his rear end looks good in those pants, but that is not the guy you need to be with right now. You know, we, we need somebody to speak that kind of truth over our lives. You know, every time you go out with that knucklehead, y'all get into trouble. Do you really want to do that? You know, it's like that they can do the math for you and look ahead and say no and love you enough to risk the relationship to give you the truth because they don't want to see you suffer in life. Man, let 2024 be full of people like that for us to keep us on track with who God wants us to be. Amen? So, hey, why don't, why don't you go ahead and do that? So, Naaman does something amazing. He listens. He listens. Not to the prophet. He listens to his servants. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As a man of God, as the man of God had told him. Not only did he go to the Jordan, but he did exactly what he was set, told to do by the prophet. His flesh was restored, and he became clean like a young boy because he was obedient. Listen, if you want to live powerfully in the kingdom of God, listen to me. It's not the intent of your heart. It's the obedience of your heart. The promises of God are awesome, but they're often unlocked by our obedience. Naaman got cleansed of his leprosy, but that's not the big change in Naaman. The big change in Naaman was that he hit the brakes and 
took a deep breath and got rid of that pride and that self-will and all that, all that swagger and prestige. And he said, you know what? All right. I'm going to listen to my servants who have no right to speak to me. And I'm going to go dip in this muddy water that is beneath me. It's funny. I don't know how it works when you go swimming. But for Naaman to go dip in this river, he didn't do it with all his armor on. He had to step off his horse or his chariot. Had to leave his entourage. Get out on that water alone. But he had to take off his armor. Take off his outer garments would have been the, the custom. And with nothing but his skivvies, get out there in that river, bare in front of everyone, with the leprosy exposed, in front of everybody. And Mr. I got it going on humbled himself and dipped down into the waters of the Jordan River. It finally broke. It finally broke. What would happen in your life if you committed fully to the process that God has set in front of you and just started to dip and trust Him? And deal with the real issue. Not, not, not the anger that people can see, but the hurt that it comes from. You see? Not, not the manipulation and the control that frustrates everybody, but the insecurity that it flows from. See what I'm saying? What, what would happen if we just looked at it and faced it head on? And Elisha didn't give him a solution. He gave him a process. He says, go dip in the Jordan, but you're going to do it seven times. Have you ever heard somebody say, I tried before? That I tried to do that. As a pastor, I hear that a lot. I tried trusting God with my finances. I tried to make the marriage work. I tried to Fill in the blank. I tried, I tried, I tried. So the problem with us is that like, we'll go through the motions sometimes and we'll actually go down to the Jordan River like in our own lives and, and we'll start to dip in front of everybody. Down in the water. All right, I'm going to confront this. Here we go. I'm going to try to face this. And number one, number two tries in dipping in the water. Most people tap out. Is you wet. You're dirty from the water. Everybody's staring at you. Oh, it ain't happened yet. You now they really trusted God, they wouldn't still be dealing with this issue. They don't know. They don't know what... You, you, you know what I'm saying? You know all the, the judgy stuff that churchy people do? I say churchy people, not followers of Jesus, because there's a big difference. Because the truth is, they're, they're, they're working out their own stuff. Different seasons, different issues, different problems, you know? We tap out at three. We tap out at four. Because we forget that growth is a process. And that sometimes it may take praying more than once or twice. Or getting 
a group of people to back you up in prayer more than once or twice while you're dealing with this thing. Okay, I got a word for you today. I got a word for you today, and it's just simple. Don't stop before 7. Don't stop before 7. Plenty of people try to do stuff, but they don't complete the process. Plenty of people go to the point where it's uncomfortable and then they back up. Well, I tried that. I didn't know you did it your way. You didn't do it his way. You went to the limit of your comfort. You didn't stay in it through the process and learn what the Lord may have been trying to teach you in this season. Now, the problem with going into 2024, a lot of people have goals. And I think it's good to set goals. And whether it's 90-day goals or beginning-of-the-year goals, I think it's great to do that because it gives you something to backdate and structure and, and move towards. But you're not going to accomplish this year's goals on last year's character. Amen. And you're not going to become who you could be in the kingdom of God Stop it on four. So don't stop before seven. Follow through. Trust God. You know how awkward it had to be for Naaman on dip number six? Ain't nothing happened yet. Here I am, half naked in front of all these people, debasing myself. I don't operate like this. I'm truly out of my element. One more time. It's one more time. It's all it takes. It's one more time. It's one more time. In the presence of God. Is all it could take. Just one more time. That, that, that conversation going back one more time. And looking that person in the eyes and saying. I know it's not working. I know there's a lot of offense here you go back one more time and say can we just get this right a lot of times the same problem that Naaman had pride and the self will and just the, the, the inability I think for us to be vulnerable before the Lord and open with each other you know there's reasons why in the Bible there's verses that say confess your sins to one another See, why don't we just take the next 10 minutes and look at the people on your row, and let's just all confess our sins to each other for the next 10 minutes. Everything that some of y'all are laughing, some of y'all just got scared to death. You see, how, you see how, how weird that is? But the reason why the Bible says to do that, and I think there's wisdom, you don't want to put all your business out there, uh, especially on social media. Oh my God, I felt God on that. Let me tell you, you don't want to put all your business out there on social media. I felt something there. So, so, you got to be careful and make sure the people that you talk to are trustworthy. But the Bible also says we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You know why? Because we have burdens. We're all in the process of growing. We're all in the process of stepping out of one season into the next season. And Honestly, some of us are about five or six seasons behind where we could be. Because we stopped at four. It's easier just to hurt after they leave than to heal. 
don't stop. Keep pushing through to seven. One of the biggest polar opposites in Scripture the parallel between David and Saul. Saul was a textbook of trying to do it his own way. Always failed. David wasn't perfect, but he had a heart to try to do it God's way. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Now, a lot of times we, we look at this, we look at the holiness of God, I think, and we forget that he knows we can't reach a standard of perfection instantaneously. Now, we are saved, we're set free from that stuff, but a process of growth begins where we become more. That's what the Bible says. Now, the preacher you, talk, you were under growing up may have said something different. That's what the Bible says. We're in a process of growth. Okay, I want you to hear me. It's okay to not be okay. But I want you to hear me on this too. Jesus loves you too much to leave you that way. So take the pressure off for a second and just think, what if? What if I became more like David and less like Saul? Don't forget, Saul was the guy that led the army of Israel up to the battle line and faced Goliath. And then they packed up all their stuff and went back and never fought. They tried. They put forth an effort, but they didn't follow through. And when they write the story of your life, what you're writing right now, what do you want it to say? That, that she gave it a great effort, but it was just too hard for the God that was inside of her? That, that they gave it their best effort, but the hurt was too much for an eternal God that created everything to resolve and heal. And I'm not making light of what we deal with and what we go through. What I'm saying is this, in light of everything that God has done and all this, it, would it not be better to go to seven and trust God and keep pressing on instead of tapping out and letting the best years of our lives be behind us and all the victories be behind us? Why can't they be in front of us? Why can't we be like David who showed up on the scene and saw Goliath and said, no, not one more day. I'm going to take it out. Because David under knew, or he, he understood that there was a God fighting for him. And it wasn't his strength, it was God's strength. I was reminding you today, it's not your strength, it's God's strength. Your decision, but God's strength. Your obedience, but God's power. Yeah, people are going to see you. So what? What do people talk about me? So what? Well, I don't know if I want to be that. Let me tell you something. There's nobody in this room, nobody watching online, that is not working through something. So don't let the mind game take you out. The question of the day is, are you going to face it? 
So what was that thing that popped up in your mind at the beginning? That thing I said, let's, let's think about it. That issue. That is not the issues, but the issue. Not the symptoms, but the real thing. What, what, what is it in this season, in this season, that is the obstacle that you have to face? Is it the trust? Is it the doubt? Is it the finances? Is it the, the call of God? Is it the stepping out of old relationships into new ones? Like what, what, what is the it? What's the thing? And what I'd say is this, guys. Let's hit it head on. Let's hit it head on and do something few people do. See, there's this quiet, unspoken, just... Oh, God Almighty, this, this unspoken thing that happens where we just say it's okay to live in normality and to struggle with this stuff. That's not normal. What's normal is dealing with it and becoming who God's called you to be. That's normal in the Bible. Guys, let's deal with it today. Amen? Amen. Can we deal with it today? Let's all stand this morning. What is it? What is it? What is it? So I don't care if this is the 20th time, all right, that you prayed about this. Maybe you're on six, and you're about to go to seven. I know that sounds so churchy and such preacher talk. I try to stay away from that, but it's, the reality is, man, you just don't know until you follow through. So what is that thing? Bow your heads to close your eyes for a second. Father, I just thank you. Lord, for the honesty that's in this room right now. For what you're doing in this place. For your presence that I feel. Lord, I just come against the spirit of religion that may be in here, that may hinder or hold people back. Lord, we come against all of that right now. Lord, let there be freedom in this place. Because the truth is we're all processing through this. And the truth is we could all respond to this. But I know that you're speaking specifically to certain people. And it's been enough time. And now it's time to stop doing it our way. To stop sitting on the sideline. To walk up to the battle line. And instead of just shouting and going back. That we take steps forward and advance towards this thing. And watch you drop it in front of us. Lord, you know. You know. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. And I know this is kind of a trap question because we could all respond to this, but I believe that God is speaking to people specifically this morning. And if you've got that issue, you've got that hindrance, you've got that thing, and you're ready to face it, so you know what, I, I, I have tried to deal with this, but I haven't gone the full seven. I've stopped on three or four and out of frustration or trying to do it my own way. It just hasn't walked, worked out and I've tapped out instead of pushing through. I stopped at the end of my strength instead of stepping into the Lord's strength to deal with this. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. I want to.
pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out or anything like that. I just I want to pray over us this morning because I think God's about to do something in you. If you would just give him the chance. This could be the season where you turn the page and be, and become literally a different person spiritually. It's up to you. If you're ready for that on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them. I see yours, yours, yours. I see yours. I see yours, yours. I see God Almighty. Eyes are going up all in this place today. The Lord knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Eyes are going up all over this place. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. Listen, it's not in our strength. It's in his. Amen? So he's the one that does it. So let's take a step in the right direction whatever that is whatever that is let's just lift up our hands let's just begin to worship the Lord Father we thank you Father we thank you one that your plan is better than our plan Father and if we've been trying to do it our way Lord we repent first of all Lord we repent of that Lord and we line ourselves back up with what you have spoken to us to do in our time of prayer and in your word. Father, we laid this down before you, all of it. What I know it's different for different people in this room, but Father, you know exactly what we're all walking through, what we're all facing. Lord, remind us that these light and momentary troubles are working out for us an eternal reward. That the trials and tribulations that we face, even the internal ones, are used by you to mature and grow us into who you've called us to be. Lord, take us through the process of growth. Sometimes it's instantaneous, but I know you take us through processes to grow us, to prepare us for the next season. Lord, we submit to you in this moment. We don't care what people say. We don't care what people do. We don't care how we look to others. Lord, we're transparent before you right now. Lord, speak to us and give us specific steps on what to do. But Lord, we all collectively, Lord, we look at these things. We refuse to let another day go by with this in control of our lives because that's the reality. If we're not moving closer to you and growing past us, whatever the roadblock is then becomes the master of our lives. Lord, set us free from every stronghold, every principality, every issue, every hurt, every letdown. Father, let your healing power and your restoration flow in this moment, Lord, to set us free from all of that. Lord, we choose to move closer to you. Father, we choose to go to seven through the whole process, not what's comfortable. Lord, we trust you in what's uncomfortable. Lord, we trust you. We worship you in this place. We worship you, Lord Jesus. All across this place, let's just lift up our hands and worship the Lord for a couple of minutes. The band's going to lead us in a psalm. We're going to baptize people in a little bit. But let's get into the presence of God and let him move in our lives where we are right now. Just begin to worship him. Forget about the person on your right or your left. This is you and him.